0: Whenever I'm invited to speak, I uh, will always ask, uh, "Where is it that you're trying to go with the church? What is it that you want to be done for the church?" I'm a pastor myself, so when I invest in somebody to come out to my church spend, pay for a plane ticket, put them up a hotel, we're talking about a lot of money. Give them a big offering, you know. We're talking about a, a, a lot of money, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, it's, it, it's, it's a huge investment. And so I'm a pastor. I invest like that too. So does Pastor uh, Fremont's pastor and all these other great men that, that are here. I saw Pastor Adam come in about 30 minutes late. Uh, I saw these great people come. He's my great friend right there, Pastor Adam Valenzuela. But um, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right, Pastor Anthony? Is you invest in something like this. It's not cheap. It isn't. And so me being a pastor, I like, to, I like to do a job well done when somebody hires me, if you want to say it that way, to come and work for them. And so I asked, where is it you're going? What do you want to do? Give me some topics. And so they asked me tonight to speak about team ministry. And, and, and you see that on your paper. It's, this is my team. When I was a younger boy, when I was in elementary school, sixth grade, sixth grade. Now, I've always been a short guy. I'm Mexican. I've always been short. Now, you can imagine, look at my height now, five, six and a half or something like that. I'll claim the other half, five, seven. That's not not tall, average Mexican height. No offense if you're African-American or Asian or Russian, Irish, whatever you are. But I remember I tried out for the basketball team in sixth grade. And I was so happy. I went to the tryouts and I'm not sure how it worked in your school. But in my school, you try out and the next day they posted on a classroom window who made the team. And I was so excited. I gave it all I had. I, 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 I offered the best talent I can give that day. Now, all my other friends, I knew they were going to make it because they were good. I was never good at sports, really. And I remember I tried out the next day came and I went up to that window in that classroom during lunch break. And I remember it was posted on the window and i begin to look at all the names jamar johnson (laughs) wendell so-and-so chris tucker i don't know but it's all these names and i didn't see my name on the list of i think it was 10 players that they chose and then finally I saw on the bottom, there was one other name, but it wasn't with the rest of the guys. I looked and it said, Talboy, boy, Fernando Franco. <laughs> you know, I, it really didn't bother, bother me, it really didn't. I was just glad that I was on the team. My goal was just to be on the team. Now, throughout that season, my parents, my, my mother and my aunt did go to see one of our games that I didn't play in. But the coach realized that my mother was in the crowd and so was my aunt. And so my coach said, put Fernando in the game. And he put me in the game. Thank you for the sympathy. I'm still hurt. I'm still hurt from it from sixth grade. And and he put me in the game. And he put me in the last quarter where our team was up by a lot of points. And he kept me in there just for one minute. And I made my team lose. It's not my fault. It's the coach's fault should have never put me in as a forward I was like what three feet six inches and puts me in and and we lose the game but I remember that even yes that hurt me and I felt bad but I was just excited that I was on the team not so much even that I had the chance to play but that I was just on the team in the game of football The quarterback, and if you don't know what a quarterback is, it's not a refund. <laughs> the quarterback. When you examine his role, you'll find that he starts each play with a ball. 99.9% of the time, the play is going to begin with the ball in the hand Of the quarterback but you'll find that he rarely keeps that ball after the ball is snapped and it's placed in his hand the quarterback steps back and you all know what happens he steps back behind the line he surveys the field and then he'll do one of three things one he'll either hand the football off to a running back or secondly he will pass the ball to a wide receiver and very rarely, he'll run the ball himself. These two positions, in particularly the running back and the wide receivers, are often referred to as playmakers. Because they're expected to make something amazing happen on that team. Playmakers typically are the speediest. They are the shift to they are the most explosive athletes on that team they're selected on account of their quickness they're selected on account of their liveliness and because they can be trusted to catch the ball and not drop it or fumble it playmakers are leaders who will take what the pastor passes along to them and make something amazing happen for the church Every pastor can say amen right there. You are the playmakers of your church. You're the playmakers of Fremont. You're you're the the playmakers of Antioch. You're the playmakers of Hayward. You're the playmakers of, of whatever city you're from. You are the playmakers for your church who would take what your pastor passes to you and make something amazing happen. We rely on you to score for this team. I don't ever want to be, uh, I don't ever want to be part of a church that is dead. Or even be part of a church that is dying. And let let me, let me, let me stop and input something here, okay. Is that when a church is dead or a church is dying, there's really only two people to blame. The first person to always blame is a pastor. Now, I've been on your side. I've been for you right now. But the truth is, the first person to blame when something is dying is the leader. The pastor. Often, pastors ask me, Hey, what's going on, man? How come my church is not growing? How come my church is not growing? Pastor Stebbins said said it so well tonight. The first thing I ask that pastor is, Are you growing? Because if you're not growing, the people under you are not going to grow. There's always two people to blame when a church is dying and when a church is dead. the first person is the pastor. The second are going to be his leaders. And often, it's not always the pastor's fault. Do you know, you know, the number one reason why people leave your church is because of the leadership of the church? The leadership of the church is why people leave our churches. It's not all the time the pastor's fault why a church is dying. Now, that's the first place we got to start with, but often you're going to find that most of the time is because the people on his team are not making anything amazing happen. So true. So I have this textbook That is called, and this will be good for pastors to write down, it's called, Why Churches Die. And they give eight reasons why churches die. Now I want you just to flow with me, okay? We may may even never get to the notes tonight. Just flow with me. But it's been interesting so far, right? Okay. Want me to give you the eight reasons why churches die? It's called because there's deadly diseases in the church. Just like cancer kills a body. So do these diseases kill what I'm about to talk to you about. They kill the church. I remember I preached a message to my leaders that I titled Killing a church faster than you can try. But here are eight reasons why churches die. Number one. Terminal diseases in the body now. I interpret that as worldliness That's why a church dies is because the leaders allow worldliness in the church. I Wonder if I check your music library What more music the leaders will have in their library than the other No, no, let's just stop there for a minute, okay if I check your Pandora stations Now, let me just stop there. Can we deal with the truth tonight, okay? How do we expect the church to have a revival when its leadership is dancing to Kanye? Is dancing with Beyonce in your mind? Is when, 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 How do we expect there to be a revival of holiness? How do we expect people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit when the last thing we put in our ears was a worldly song? I'm talking to the leadership here. Pastor Seven said I could take as long as I want. Okay. Okay, uh terminal diseases in the body of Christ I call that worldliness that's a reason why churches die number two shrunken faith you know church dies because there's they just don't have no faith anymore they don't have faith anymore you know how, you know how, you know how you could tell if a church don't have faith when the pastor takes up pledges When a pastor takes up pledges in his church and only 30% of it comes in, that church is sick. That church is dying. You are dying. If you can't believe God for a thousand dollars, I mean, some of you are believing God for $750 for the iPhone 6, but you can't believe God for a thousand dollar pledge. I mean, you actually really believe that you're going to get the iPhone. There's no doubt in your mind. You're saying to yourself, my name's on the list. By faith, I'm going to get it. I wish our attitude would be like that when your pastor is challenging your faith for the church. Okay, let me move on quick, okay? Number three. spell it however you think it's spelled but it's a word that is called glossolitis yeah and i'll explain to you what that is okay uh in the medical field there is a sickness there is a disease that is called glossolitis and you know what that means in layman's terms you know what that means the overswelling of a tongue that's glossolitis and churches die quick because they, they have a gossip problem in the church. There is the overswelling of a tongue that is loose in the body of Christ. And it is killing churches. Number four. Nearsighted. This is another reason why churches die. Nearsighted. There's absolutely no vision for the future. Now on the way up here. Pastor Steven is bringing me and, 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 and he's telling me, no, I don't want to say anything premature because this is just something he's thinking about and praying about. He's telling me about, he saw this building for sale over here. Okay. Now, I don't care if, if he's close to making that move. All I care is that he has vision. He sees beyond where you guys are at here today. He sees further than what you are all seeing here today. You see, but nearsighted, a pastor and a leader, if you are a leader, because some of you are the head of the usher's department, you're the head of the children's department. Now, if you suffer from this sickness called nearsighted, you know, when, when one day I was driving with my mother, I was about 18 years old and we were on the freeway and we were, it was evening time. We were on the freeway, and as we were driving on the freeway, I told my mom, I've always wondered what that green light was over there on the, free- on the side of the freeway. And she looked at me, she says, that's a sign that says Vineyard Avenue. And I was like, wow, really? And she took her glasses off, and she put those glasses on me, and she says, tell me if you can see that. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't only really see that. I see a lot of stuff that I've never seen before on this freeway. All I needed was for somebody else to tell me I couldn't see what they can. That's what I'm here for. That's what your pastor is there for. He's telling you, hey, you need glasses and you don't even know it. Number five. Arteriosclerosis. You know you don't know how to spell that, so just put it the way you think it's spelled. I might have even said it wrong. But let me explain to you what it is. It's the hardening of the heart. In the the medical field, this is a condition from the hardening of the arteries in somebody's heart plaque, and other impurities develop in the blood vessels and it becomes difficult for blood to flow through them. Eventually, entire arteries can become blocked and death becomes imminent unless emergency surgery is performed. You know, there's people that are not here tonight that are supposed to be here tonight. But they're suffering from this disease, the hardening of a heart you know what the heart says you know what their heart says their heart says I'm not gonna go to that leadership thing I've been through so many of them all they're gonna do is just say the same thing again just a different way of saying it the heart is hardened that person is dying and the people whoever is under that person you want to know the future of your ministry Find out how many leaders' hearts are hardened, and that's going to show you the future of your ministry. You know, all these guys that are here with me today, I didn't have to pull their teeth like I was trying to pull Tommy Pinetta's teeth, they were given two days' notice. You know what they did? Took time off of work to get over here for three days. That's what blesses my heart. I look at these men and I say, we have a future in our church. Now, another, another thing that will kill the church faster than you think is number six, the toxin of bitterness. Toxin of bitterness. This is is the poison of could be jealousy and vengeance man when you have those things in the church when you have jealousy and vengeance i like what pastor esteban was saying tonight hey man when you win we all win when somebody's doing better than you make us all look good in northern california you see but when somebody has in their heart vengeance and jealousy a church is gonna die Especially if a pastor has that in his heart. That church is going to die. And you're not only going to kill your church, but you're going to kill an entire region. The toxin of bitterness. Another thing why churches die is gluttony. Number seven, gluttony. Now, you know what that means is the church is always full, but it's really empty. Oh, yeah, you got 300 people in your church, but it's really empty. Nobody gives, nobody serves, nobody says amen, nobody gives commitment, nobody leads. I mean, it's a packed house, but if you were challenged to go to war with the devil, only you and three others will show up. And lastly, the eighth thing that will kill the church or why churches die is phobia. Phobia, fears afraid to do ministry you know in the Old Testament church the great leader Moses he was confronted by his father-in-law after his father-in-law noticed the growth in the numbers of Moses's congregation and we remember that story We remember that story. One day Moses' father-in-law was sitting back and he saw something. And he was compelled to go to Moses, that pastor of that congregation. And he tells Moses, he says, Moses, what you are doing is not good. What did his father-in-law see what was going on in the church for him to tell the leader what he is doing is not good good here's what he told him he said Moses you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out and he tells Moses the work is too heavy for you he says son-in-law listen to me and here's what he said he says you cannot do it alone You know, when Moses led the people of God uh, out of Egypt, you know that there were at least 600,000 men with their wives and children. And listen, here's if you want to know what was going on, repeat this after me. Say, all day. All day, all day for several weeks, Moses is in the desert with these people and he has constantly been dealing with with their many conflicts and their disputes listen to me one man one man none of these people were given to Aaron none of these people were given to anybody else Moses was the only man that was there was 600,000 men women and children out of all places in the desert They weren't in an air conditioning building where it just kind of makes your attitude a little bit better. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Hungry and it being hot. I feel sorry for whoever comes to me for counsel that day. I remember twice, two times, I rode with the men's home. 50 guys in a bus A 1965 school bus to New York City from Oxford, California. Pastor Tony remembers. He was there. We met him in New York City. He remembers. Remember that old bus? Now, you talk about dealing. I'm I'm preaching. I gave you a little bit of. uh, Just let me hang on to the mic a little bit, Tony. I'll call you to close this service right now. But I do have a witness, Your Honor. That's right. What would you call it? Because that's what it was. It sure was a jail bus. It sure was. It sure was a jail bus. Ugly looking thing. Right? Gray goose. I'm from the hood, homie. Imagine that. That's what you call dealing with conflict. Five days for me with 50 men in the home together. You couldn't just say, I'll be right back. No, you were in that bus. Moses was dealing with that all by himself. It's obvious that it's tiring out Moses. He's been doing this from early in the morning until late at night for several weeks now. And his father-in-law can see the fatigue in Moses' eyes and he sees how tired Moses looks each and every single day. And it's obvious that the people aren't real happy with this arrangement either because the Bible says that it wasn't only wearing out Moses, but it was wearing out the people too. I just got to say this, okay? As a pastor, I get tired. I really do. And, and, and often your pastor won't admit that to you. But if you ever, if, if, if you know, I, I don't like when people come up to me and say, Pastor, you look tired. No, what they should say is co- come up to me and say, Pastor, where can I help? Have you ever stood in a long line At the grocery market, I'll tell you where you've stood in a long line before, the DMV. The DMV. I was in that line forever. They say, take a number, right? And you're like, what, 6,472, and they're calling number 12? He said, DMV, that, I know what it is it stands for driving me vicious. That's how I'm feeling in this line. But have you ever been in a long line before? Have you ever gotten impatient where you just had to wait for 20 minutes, 30 minutes in line? How about when you call that 1-800 number? Right? 1-800. And you call it. And you have a problem with your cable box. And they say, good afternoon, can I help you please? I'm having a problem with my cable box. Can you help me? Excuse me, could you please? Uh, please open my please. And you're a hole for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And the fight is going to start. It's a main event already, and you're on hold forever. You know how you feel? Well, imagine with me what's going on in Moses' ministry. Now we're talking about over one million people. And Moses is the only one that is doing the work. So that's when his father-in-law goes to him and says, let me give you some advice. And that's why I've come here tonight to you. Is to give you the advice that Jethro gave to a growing ministry. He makes a suggestion to Moses. And here's what he says. He says, Moses, you need help. And so listen to me, Victory Outreach. Today, Jethro still speaks to the dead. And he tells each and every pastor here today, you need help. And here's the thing, is these pastors know they need help. Now I'm telling you, your pastor needs help. Well, I tithe. No, he needs help. Will I show up on Sunday morning. No, he needs help. So he tells Jethro... He says, listen to me and I'm going to give you some some advice. I mean, uh, Jethro tells Moses. He says, listen to me and I'll give you some advice. He says, and this is important. Now, listen to me. Here's what he tells him. He says, select capable men from all the people. That's important to hear what he said. Select capable men from all the people. And then he says... And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He introduces to us, for the first time we see in the Bible, something that is called team ministry. He introduces to us a movement being done according to teams. But what I like is when he said, select these people from all the people you know sometimes we can put jackets on certain people we really can we can say stuff like oh they've only been coming for three months you know you know what, what is so weird is that I placed those people on my teams before now that doesn't mean that I've empowered them and given them influence in the church but I still invited them to my meetings in the church Because they're capable. This guy runs his own law firm. Why would I not want him in my meeting to give me some advice? This person has his own upholstery shop. Why would I not want him in my meeting to give me some advice? Oh, I know he's not a leader in the church. I know that he may only been around for six months, but he is what Jethro said. He said, select capable men from all All the people, not just the people who've been in your church for five years. To be honest with you, the people who've been in your church for five years are probably all burnt out by now. So you invite them to a meeting and they're just staring at you, looking at you, no interest, just wondering, okay, pastor, you must have the answer. I like getting those young guys, those young guys that will just call to their job and say, I'm not coming in for the next three days. The, 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 those young guys those young guys that are just radical those young guys, you know, that, that are, are major contributors when it comes to energy to the church Okay. Jethro told Moses you need help but you know, God never designed us to do the work alone he never did. Leadership, listen to me. Your pastor is not, hasn't been designed to do the work alone. You should, not say, you should not be saying, well, he's the pastor. He's the pastor. That's his job. No, we were not designed to do the work alone. Even in the beginning, when you go back to Genesis, right after God created man, right? What did God say? That something was missing. Something was missing. And it wasn't so much that it was just a woman that was needed. In a man's life. It was just another human being. It was somebody that can understand his language. We need people who understands our language. When we say we need to win this city for Jesus, pastors need other human beings that understands his language. I came across a book uh, 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 maybe about a year and a half ago, two years ago that uh, is titled, um, uh, I wrote it down here. It's titled, 10 Stupid Things That Keeps Churches From Growing. And, And it was an interesting book. And the first chapter in that book says The pastor trying to do it all. That's one of the stupid things. And and I mean, the word stupid is in the Bible, so don't get offended. To be exact, it's in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. (laughs) Look it up. It's there. 10 stupid things that keeps churches from growing and the first stupid thing is going to be number one the pastor trying to do it all and what was funny is because on the name of that chapter underneath the chapter the uh, caption or the uh, subtitle of that chapter it, it it said this just because I'm the janitor it doesn't mean I can't perform your wedding and there's a picture of the pastor in a janitor in a janitor- janitor's outfit The pastor's trying to do it all. That's what keeps the church from growing. And that was true for Moses in the wilderness. And that's true for the church in our day. Now, your church may have a blind spot. And the blind spot is, is you cannot see how a church grows. It's a blind spot. You may be thinking, the pastor's supposed to do it. You have a blind spot if you think that way. If the pastor has handed a mantle over to you, you have to make something happen. The greatest danger of people that are given position for my life, I'm not just a pastor, but I'm a regional pastor. I'm not just a regional pastor, but I'm a multi-regional pastor. You know what that means is that it's almost like the higher you go, the higher you go, it's like the less you have people telling you what to do. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's nobody over my life. But what I'm saying is that I better make something happen. I've learned a long time ago before you lead others well, you have to first learn how to lead yourself well. And so the danger of people in position is that often there's going to be nobody to tell them what to do why am i saying that is because your pastor has handed a mantle in your lap get busy get working do something with that position that has been entrusted to your life don't let one of these stupid things stop your church from growing that the pastor's supposed to do it. No, you grow that children's ministry. You develop a program in there that will be a follow-up on those kids when they're sick, when they're missing, when you don't see them in children's church. You send out postcards. You contact them. You send out a team to visit them. You get a hold of the kids that are missing in your church because if you could get those kids who are missing in your church, that means mom and dad is missing in the church. So if you could get the kids to come back to church, then you just help your pastor grow your church because now mom and dad are back in church but you can't wait for pastor to show up and say make it happen amen you haven't even filled in one blank on that paper huh um I don't want you to worry because I just want to be effective here tonight, and I feel that it's been effective here this evening. I, I'm the kind of, uh, and, and you're going to see throughout the rest of these days. I'm the kind of guy that will not preach everything on my notes until it's the last page, because the only person, the only person that helps is me. <laughs> that only makes a preacher feel good. Everybody else is like, "Dude, I'm hungry." You're boring. I'm not listening to you anymore anyways. So I've been preaching long enough to know how long I have you. And I have you for about 15 more minutes. And I'll give you what I can that's left inside of me for tonight. When I look at King David's life, what... What made King David a great man, in my opinion, I believe it was his heart for God. But when I look at his ministry, when I look beyond the man, I mean the man, his heart was for God. But when I look at the ministry of the man, what made David have such a great ministry or what made him a great leader. My opinion was the ability that he had to surround himself with strong people. That's what make a great, makes a great ministry. Uh, I remember, gosh, man, when I first was introduced to leadership, I read a book that changed my life. And this was about 18 years ago. And the book was called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And you know, that really changed my perspective of what leadership really was and what leadership is. I fell in love with it so much that I actually opened up. I left my house and I told my wife, you know what, babe, we need to open up a leadership home. And what I'm going to do for 21 months, I'm going to ask, and I got 10 men to move in with me and 10 ladies to move in with me, me and my wife. It wasn't a rehab home, it wasn't a second phase home. It was a leadership home. And I said, for 21 months, every day for one month, I'm going to teach him one of these laws of leadership. And I did do that for 21 months and raised up a leadership culture in my church. But I remember one of the laws that we learned, and I won't forget it, is what was called the law of the inner circle. And the law of the inner circle says what? Those closest to you will determine the level of your success. And boy, that is so true. It's so true. And that's what was true in King David's life. Why did his ministry become so great? It's because of the men that he had around him. The problem that we have, and I'm going to speak about this tomorrow night a little bit on the subject of discipleship, is that everybody wants to be a King David, but nobody wants to be one of David's mighty men. And those who are around you will determine the level of your success. I truly believe that there are Two important groups of people. Now you can start filling in some, some blanks unless you already have. I don't think so. Uh, would this be the first time you're filling in blanks? Oh, you guys been going at it? Really? Let me see that here. Let me see that really quick. Oh, awesome, man. I, I didn't know we had those in there. Okay. But, okay, let's, let's, let's continue on. I believe there's two important groups of people that need to be talked about when it comes to team ministry. And, um... Give me about 10 more minutes, okay? Number one, the coach himself. Write it down. The coach himself. Now, if you're a leader, you're a coach. You're a coach. If you're a leader, uh, I, I hope and pray the gang, gang, the gang leaders are here, okay? I hope and pray the rehab home directors are here. I hope and pray the children's ministry leader is here. I, I hope and pray the ushers department is here. I hope and pray that leaders are in this place. If you are a leader, you are a coach. Successful teams are the results of a successful coach. Bottom line, if you look at a team who's winning championships, more than likely, it's not just because the players, is, but because they have an awesome coach. Your people simply won't come together as a team by themselves. They need someone who can help them learn how to work together. You know, your team, believe me, your team is just not going to come together. It isn't. The coach needs to call the practice. The coach needs to be involved in making sure that there's a chemistry in the team, there's a motivation in the team, there's a momentum in the team, there's an excitement in the team, there's life in the team. That's not just going to happen by itself. Why do you think I'm going back home? Why do you think I'm going back home? No offense, but why do you think I'm preaching? Why do you think I'm preaching tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday and going back home? Why? Because I have a team back home. I have a team back home that I need to continue to be around. And I get back on Friday, my, um, Friday, I get back on Friday. Saturday, I go to Las Vegas, and why do you think I'm driving back home from Las Vegas that night is because I want to be in church on Sunday. Why? Because I have a team that needs their coach to keep a momentum going. <clears throat> I'm not saying there's something wrong with taking a vacation. To be honest with you, that's why I need to get back in church. I've been on a vacation. And I was gone for three weeks. I came back and I've been home for two weekends. I can't miss another weekend. I have to be with my team. Or else if the church starts declining, it's my fault. The coach himself is important when it comes to team ministry. No matter how good your players are, if they don't have a good coach, they can't win a game. They can't. They need a good coach to help win a game. Every good coach is a number of things. Number one, if you're a coach, this is what you need to be. Write it down. Number one, a model. A model. You may not be a Calvin Klein model, but you're a victory outreach model. Listen to me, leader. Listen to me, coach. Children's department leader. Home director. Gang leader. Listen to me. You're a model. You hear me? Gang leaders, listen to me. You're a model, not a preacher. I deal with my gang leader all the time. I said, you're a good preacher, but you're a poor model. I want you to practice what you're preaching about. You say, we're going to win the world. Well, go to the streets with your team. That's tough, huh? You probably would hate to be under me. I've learned a long time ago that if I want people under me to develop certain qualities of being team players, I've learned that I need to demonstrate them myself. I'm serious. I'm serious. If you want team members to be dedicated, then you must show them your commitment. That's how it goes. That's just how it goes. There's no shortcuts. The long distance from here to success is a shortcut. The longest way from here to success is a shortcut. There's no other way than modeling it. Believe me, the longer church is around, the great preachers and teachers it has. I tell some of my people, I said, hey, listen, man, you could teach, because I have great preachers in my church. I say, hey, listen, you could teach awesome about the fruit. But until you start bearing fruit is when people will start following you. People don't want to hear you teach about something, they want to see you bear that something. If you're a coach. If you are a coach, then you need to be a model. Listen to me. Li- listen to me close, man. If you, want, if, if you want your team to develop these certain qualities, you have to demonstrate them yourself. Why do you think? Why do you think, and, and not to make anybody feel bad here, but every year I strive to raise up as much as money as I can for run for hope. Run for hope. Me personally, I've already raised over 5000 dollars Me. Not my church, me. My church is raised going on $16,000. But, but why do I do that? Number one, of course, for the sake of the cause. But you know why also I'm doing that is because I'm telling my church. I'm telling my church. When my pastor wants to raise up money for the international movement, you look at what I do. Because when I come back two months from now and try to raise up money for my church then I have influence because I can tell my people I do what my pastor says I do what my pastor wants I back up my pastor with with a vision he has and so now I have influence so the best way to be the best coach is to model it yourselves if you call the practice show up to the practice If you ask everybody to stay around late, then you stay around late. If you ask your your team to come early for prayer, then you come early for prayer. There's no shortcuts. No shortcuts at all. If you want them to put the team first, then you got to make sacrifices too for the team. For the team. If you want them to care for each other, then you must demonstrate that you love them. There is no substitute. Say that with me. Say there's no substitute. In showing your people what you expect from them. Serious. Practical stuff. Okay, yes, a coach is a model. Number two, a coach is a mentor. And I'm moving quick here. There's a difference between an advisor and a mentor. You know what an advisor does? An advisor, um, best way I can put it, is just stands by and gives opinions. A mentor walks beside and gives his heart. That's the difference between an advisor and a mentor. If people want advisors, all they got to do is just listen to a podcast. you want an advisor, then just go to some website and get advice. But people don't need advice on your team. They they need a mentor on their team. Okay, number three. A good coach is a motivator. A motivator. Listen, for people to come together on, on your team and to accomplish a goal they need to move from what i call from potential to an action you know right now we uh are building shopping in my church and right now we're in a great place these 1100 people where, where we're at but we're looking to buy our own building and so i took my team um uh, when was it when did i take my team the saturday that's right pastors work on Saturdays too I took my team on a Saturday to go lay hands on this building but before we went over there I said guys now listen to me this building has potential and that's all it has right now so when you show up there don't be discouraged at what you're going to see it is the ugliest thing you've ever saw in your life it does need a lot of tender care and love it is not what we are expecting to buy it has potential but I tell them let's go there and I'll show you what we're gonna do to the building see there's a difference we can have potential all we want I look in this room and you know what I see a whole lot of potential but the reality is is when you go back to your churches that all it's gonna remain are you gonna go back home with the same thing you came with potential we, we know you have potential that's why your pastor calls you a leader in the church because you have potential but the potential needs to turn into action you see somebody wants said leaders are readers. I said, no, leaders aren't readers, leaders are doers. That's what real leaders are. If you're only a reader, then that's all you are. Then you're just an educated fellow. I don't want just an educated fellow. I want somebody who don't work only with their head, but they work with their hands, they work with their heart, they work with their body. I don't need just a whole bunch of teachers. Show me the blisters i know one thing i model hard work in my church and so, so did jesus that's why that's why when jesus had that issue with that guy who didn't a good, didn't do a good job with what he was left with he told jesus what did he tell jesus he said i knew you were a hard man what did he mean by that that guy meant about that about jesus is that he knew jesus was serious about his business i'm serious about my business i have a vision i have a vision To be the largest mega inner city church in my entire county where our church is located at. That's my vision. But I tell you one thing. I got to be a good motivator. I do. Every coach... um, I'll um, I'll close with this, okay? Is I need certain people around my life and so does your pastor. If you're a coach, you need these people around your life too. Throughout the years of doing ministry, I've been preaching since I was 18 years old every week i'm 23 now so that's not I know i'm 43 this friday i'll be 44 didn't even realize i'll be having my birthday here in, in in hayward i was so busy my secretary didn't even tell me pastor you know that's your birthday right so we know he loves me but um uh i'll be 44 years old on friday i don't know do the math I've been preaching since I was 18 years old. Every week, a minimum of two times a week, sometimes four times a week. That's a lot of preaching ministry. As a pastor, uh, been pastoring now for going on 16, 17 years now. It's a lot of ministry. I realize that I need certain people around my life. And here's who they are. And here's who you need. Here's who your pastor needs. Number one, I need an intercessor around me. You know your pastor needs prayer? Not too many pastors will actually ask for it. About a month and a half ago, some of these guys will tell you what happened to me at my church. I've never ever done this before in the history of my ministry. In the middle of my preaching, the middle of my preaching, I told my church, I mean, it was so deep, they, we took it off the website. But I'll share with you, and it won't be with the same emotion, but I'll share with you. In the middle of the preaching, I just stopped. I started crying. And you know what I told my church? Believe it or not, Pastor Anthony. I said, I don't want to be here today. I said, I don't even want to come here today. I don't want to preach to you anymore. I don't even want to be here. I don't know what's going on with me. I said, the only reason why I came to church today It's because I promised somebody that I would talk to them after church but other than that I don't want to be here I said I'm tired of all of this one of the guys on my team went up there I was done he said pastor can we pray for you and my whole team came up in front of the whole church started laying hands on me and praying that God would just fill me up because I was empty. I was tired. You know where I was at? I was spent. I was burnt out. We need people to pray for us. Don't you ever think that your pastor is superman that he just goes up there and don't you ever think that he's having the greatest day of his life. Okay, because we argue with our wives too. The only difference between us and you is we have to go up and fake the funk and tell you that Jesus is in control and, and, we, and we're having our own little marital issues ourselves. It's real. And, 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 you know, I ain't telling you anything you don't know. What do you think? We're perfect? You know we're not perfect. We're just, just more mature than you are. We have to act differently, not because we want to, but because we have to. You have the liberty to fight in the parking lot. We can't. We're preaching in five minutes. We got to behave. I need intercessors in my life pray for your pastor secondly who a coach needs in their life is a listener you know sometimes sometimes uh, Esteban could you take this Miller draft back please I don't drink anymore I told you usher, I stopped drinking a long time ago he brought me Miller draft Sometimes we think that nobody's listening to us. (laughs) That's the truth. Especially when our accountant gives us the tithe and offering count. And we get up there, we pour our heart out. And they show us the account and nothing has changed. I need a listener I have a list listeners in my life on the way up here the the one of my staff that was taking me to the airport today on my way to the airport I get a call from from an, a church if I could go preach over there on on Sunday on on a Sunday and so I asked this person who's driving me I said so what do you think okay I've been back for the last two Sundays. I'll preach this Sunday. I'll preach another three more Sundays. This pastor wants me to go preach on that Sunday. Is that enough Sundays, me me being back home? I just need somebody to listen to me. It helps me as a coach when somebody just listens to me. Number three, I need an encourager I need an encourage her. Even people with great attitudes get discouraged. I saw a post from a pastor friend of mine t- today. It was a picture of a lion, the king of the jungle. And then the lioness had her paws around him and her head was on him. A real picture. The pastor said, yes, even the strongest get discouraged. I need encouragers around me. That's that's what I need. I I had a meeting uh, last Sunday after service with my team. And I pulled about four of them aside. I said, listen, guys, I just need encouragers, man. Just say amen. That's it. I said, just say amen, you know. That's it that's all I need just say amen if I say something just don't stand there looking like you're not interested just say amen I just need one amen from at least one amen from the 15 of you just one amen because I need I need encouragement Coaches need encouragement It's oxygen to the soul Coach number 4 you need a creator a creative, a creative person. You need a creative person around you. I love those people. I love those people that say, hey, pastor, what do you think about this? Oh, yes, come over for some spaghetti tonight. I need somebody around me that just has ideas how they believe the church can grow. Even if it's an idea that won't work. Just keep those ideas coming because it just, it just, It fuels me it it, it tells me that somebody actually is interested along with me be a creator to your pastor email him three ideas a week I'm serious you don't know what that would do to him I need number five a discerner around me listen no matter how good you are you will always miss some details when making decisions you know who my discerner discerner is my wife oh can the husband say amen Amen. you know it took me quite a few years to uh, actually like take note of what I'm about to tell you is she is always right I mean it took me quite a few years to like admit that 99.9% 99.9% of the time, she is right. She's right about people. She's right about people. But she's always on point about people. You know, just stuff like, and she's never, never tried to, she's never abused, she's never influenced me to abuse my authority. But she will just, she will say something like this, I'm just telling you, watch out for that person. And I'm like, is she Jesus? She's like perfect. Might be four years later. And then she will throw those that infamous phrase that says, I told you. But you know what? I'm I don't mean it's not I'm I'm exaggerating. I'm a preacher i'm exaggerating i don't don't intend to make her sound evil wicked or she's like a witch Ah, rebuke him set him down she's never told me to set anybody down i'm just saying is that i i welcome her discernment in my life i welcome it even this sunday i'm gonna take an offering for a drama we're doing and I, i i welcome her discernment I ask her, is it time? Should I throw an amount out? Should it just be an open offering? I welcome her discernment. I need those people in my life. Why do you think I told my staff member on the way up here? I says, what do you think? Is it too soon for me to miss a Sunday? I'm the pastor. I could do whatever I want. I really can if I want to. But I never allowed myself to, I never endangered myself to be able to think I could do whatever I want. So I hold myself accountable. What do you feel? Is, is this Sunday too soon for me to, to miss? What do you feel? Discerners need those in our lives. Listen to me, head of children's department. You can't make all the decisions on your own because you're the leader. You know, my children's pastor, I have a full time children's pastor who re- just came back today from his honeymoon. Oh my God! I never seen him. You talk about really acting like a kid. Oh my gosh! But but here's the thing: he don't have children himself, and neither does his wife. Obviously, well, you know, it's a Christian thing. You know, they met in church. None none of them have kids, but they're the children's pastors. So constantly, I have to be on him to remind him: just remember, Pastor Sal. You don't have kids. And you're leading parents who've been parents for a long time. You better get some of your team's opinions on what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Every leader shouldn't always think because I am the leader. I call, you know, I'm the final authority. You're not going to grow anything like that. You need a discerner around you coach okay number six a giver you need somebody around you because you're always giving to others as a leader you're always giving to others I, I teach a teaching and one of the characters I point out is something that is called uh, it's a um, it's called the starving baker it's about a baker and you and I are bakers in in church you know why because you're always preparing food for people You're always doing the baking. You're always doing the prep. You're always presenting. You're always giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. But there's so many bakers who are starving themselves. They themselves are as skinny as a rail. And everybody else is so well fed. Pastors are endangered of that. That's what happened to me not not too long ago. I was spent. Everybody else was healthy, invested, imparted. God, seeing people just be blessed, grow. But pastor... Was starving himself. We need givers. We need people that would give to us. That day when my team came up and they prayed for me. They gave me what a vacation couldn't give me. They gave me what a gift couldn't give give me. They gave me what words couldn't give me. They came and they gave me their prayers that just did something to me on the inside that day. You need a giver around you you do you need somebody who uh uh, i'm sorry just switch it here are we gonna have a keyboard player or anything or it's just yeah he could come up right now or she whoever that is okay so um i guess i don't have to say can the keyboard player please come that was a pretty good communication there what's your name is that the keyboard player (laughs) wow there you, there you. I'm sorry. What is your name? AJ. Okay, nice to meet you, AJ. Thank you very much. Uh, you can play whatever you want. Okay, right? Uh, Beat it, Billy Jean. That's that's fine. <laughs> what was I saying? Does any of you remember what I was saying? Yes, The Giver. Yes, man, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Starving Baker. Yes, yes. Wow okay huh yes what they gave me hmm. I feel like one of those uh you know those like spiritual readers that communicate people communicated people from the dead you ever see them on TV they're like they're so good huh they're like I, I see a man I see a man who can that possibly be uh, and, and those people are so dumb they're like my father yes yes this is your father it's like you're giving the person all the answers, you know. You say, I see something, I see something, see something blue, I see something blue. Ah, oh, gosh, what is it about blue? Uh, well, he loved the sky. Yes, he tells me he's in the sky right now. But, anyways, I was kind of like feeling that from you, but I just totally forgot what I was going to say. Ain't nobody speaking from the dead right now. It's like, thank you very much for trying to help me though totally forgot what i was going to say anyways um uh, i have so much more but i think i think we're, we're really really done okay i don't know what you got out of this i kind of really feel that the first part of it was really deep first part of it was really deep on why churches die the role that you play but also if anything you could get out of this tonight be a great coach on that team really all of you who are here I look at all these pastors that are here they're demonstrating to you that they're good coaches because they didn't have to be here they really is not a regional event no they weren't forced to be here but I look at them really and, and, and it blesses me it really does because they don't have to be here and they don't even have to come by themselves but they brought a couple of you they brought a few of you why? it's because they're a good coach they didn't just send you here they didn't say hey go to that thing over there with Pastor Esteban and then come back and tell me how it went you know what they said? they said no I'm going to it's a good coach they're modeling for you they're modeling for you I challenge each and every one of you be the coach with your team just get some of these things I talked about and grow your church win your city send out churches with your pastor and let's see this worldwide vision come to pass you are important in your church don't you think that you are not you are important we need you we do need you please answer your call be convicted enough to say I'm not going home with just potential but I'm going home and I already know what changes I'm making in my ministry, I already know what I'm going to start doing when I get back, I already know who I'm going to call when I get back, I already know what I'm supposed to do. Don't you dare go home. And throw this unfinished piece of paper underneath your book somewhere and let it sit there until you pull it out again two years from now you go home and you make something happen with what took place here tonight stand with me this